Yeah. I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to have an opening speech with a, an intro and all that stuff. I don't. What, what do you no. mean? You're not going to try and sell things for two minutes before you bring me on? No. See, I told you Steven was awesome, dude. <laughs> dude, we're, we're the same person in different jeans. See, there we go, man. You never I'm know. You shorts, got the same so mic. No jeans here at all. I used to record mine in OBS and then all of a sudden, like two weeks ago, for no reason whatsoever, it started having a three second delay between the video and the lip sync. And I'm like, frick, screw this. Now I record it straight in Zoom. So what do you do? So, Stephen, we'll kind of jump right into it, man. Um, give us a brief background. One of who you are, because you got some cool background history with, you know, be, you know, stunts and whatnot. <laughs> but, but, you know, parlay that certainly into, you know, what, what, what the current company is doing and kind of bring us up to speed, kind of like who you are and like where you're at now. You bet. So my name is Stephen Pope. I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy. We're a 22-person agency out of Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we basically just help Amazon sellers grow their sales. Um, so kind of two ways we do that. Traffic generation, advertising management, and search engine optimization would fall under that. And then conversion improvements, everything from uh, improving your design, cataloging, merchandising, and what I like to call fighting the Amazon catalog, because, you know, I've, I've kind of learned over the last few years that you don't need to hire marketers to grow your Amazon sales. You need to hire technicians, uh, people that can troubleshoot crap, because there's a problem on Amazon every freaking single day. And any Amazon seller listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. Hey, you're gated for pesticides today. What the crap? I freaking sell tweezers. What's going on with this? Or <laughs> I'm 53 clients later, by the way. We actually posted the answer key to our pesticides gating test because it was so ridiculous. Some of the things that Amazon does. Um, but yeah, so a little bit more about me before we dive into some of that bull crap um, that Amazon puts us through. So I, I started out my career as a television reporter. Uh, loved working in the news industry, hated working, uh, excuse me, loved being in television, hated working in the news industry. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I had a coming of age moment one night in uh, Wisconsin, did a live weather hit 10 o'clock at night and blizzard outside, biggest weather storm of a decade. And I missed my cue. My hair froze over. I looked like an idiot on state television. And I realized right then that I'd rather be home in my pajamas instead of out in the snowstorm when everybody else is home, blocked into their houses for three foot of snow outside. So, so I went back to... Go ahead. I was just about to say, I'm totally not going to try and look that up, see if that's on YouTube. But I'm totally yeah. going to look that up later. <laughs> yeah, so I doubt that one's on YouTube. Uh, I quit that job like two weeks later, and I would just okay. like... <laughs> but I do have... I, I was in Wisconsin during the Scott Walker protests, which was an absolute circus in Madison. Uh and uh, whether no matter what your political beliefs are, just imagine 200,000 hippies showing up at the Capitol and sleeping there. You can imagine what that was like and the smell that that involved. Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, I got to do a bunch of fun stuff like fly and stun airplanes and um, meet uh, celebrities like Don Wells, which is a pretty big throwback to Gilligan's Island for those that have seen that uh, back in the day. Uh, one time I met Fonzie off of Obama's uh, airplane as he was going through Yellowstone, and he made a joke about being on Obama's airplane and getting M&Ms. The joke I don't remember at this stage. Sorry, guys. But um, it was probably about counting sheep or something. Who knows? Anyway, uh, so I, I got out of reporting and, and have been doing marketing ever since. Worked for five failed startups, and now I run an agency. 
and and uh, the demand for Amazon services is at an all time high. We've never seen so many people trying to sell on Amazon right now, so it's been a blast. That's really cool. That's a. I mean, that's there's a lot of, like to traverse there. <laughs> yeah. That's like good luck. Polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. Good luck threading that one through. It's like Charlie Day with a with a whiteboard and you know strings going everywhere. Um, no, that's that's really cool. And and I agree. You know, we we've certainly seen a huge push for more Amazon sellers. Uh, me and Jonathan were kind of talking about this last night. Like things are at some point going to get a little bit tougher, and like that's just part of a maturing industry. Um, and we, we've seen that, right? But but you're starting to see more people want to work from home or having been let go from their jobs. And this is a pretty low friction way to get into business for yourself and all that, all that good stuff. Um, so that's cool. That's re- that's really cool. I mean, I mean, getting to 22 employees is, is no small feat by, by any stretch of the imagination. So congrats. That's kind of awesome. Thank, thank you. It's been a blast. It feels like I'm hiring an employee every week. So <laughs> nice. That's good. That's slightly daunting <laughs> at the same time, bit. but, but slightly, you know, awesome. So, okay, let's, let's kind of dive in because I, the way I view you guys, and correct me if, if my perception here is wrong, is you guys solve problems when problems pop up for Amazon sellers. W- would that be appropriate to say? Yeah. I, I mean, okay. we're a holistic approach where we full service manage everything, but we find that we spend most of our time solving problems because that's what it takes to be a successful seller on Amazon. Okay. And, and what does the average, and this is obviously going to be a little tough to, to answer, I would imagine, but what's some of the more common things you guys, um, get asked to, to either help solve or to manage. I'm curious to kind of dive into, you know, what is, what is the normal client for you guys look like and what did they use you guys for? Yeah. So advertising management is the number one area that people have to get right, has the most sophistication and the most risk. So whenever you're managing advertising campaigns in the Amazon ecosystem, There's so many different segmentations, and if you look at the list of areas that you can advertise now or techniques, just in the last 90 days, there's like 10 new areas. So if you're not sophisticated in ad management, there's thousands of dollars you could be collecting if you just showed up. And if you are showing up but doing it incorrectly, you're wasting thousands of dollars in wasted ad spend. So that's the most important area. Uh, the, the next area is catalog and merchandising management. A lot of the troubleshooting falls into this category because, uh, Amazon will just yank your listing one day because you have an acronym. Uh, the FDA is mentioned on your A plus content, uh, somewhere. And all of a sudden you get a trademark infringement yank and your listing is down. They don't even tell you why they took it down. They just said, Hey, you violated our terms of services. Good luck trying to figure out why. And so our job is to go in there and look at something and say, what do we think happened here? And what do we think needs to happen to recover the listing? So a lot of time is spent on troubleshooting pages just simply being yanked by Amazon because like you mentioned, Amazon is absolutely entering the maturity phase. So one of those consequences is that when you enter the maturity phase, you create barriers to entry to the marketplace. So those barriers to entry um, are going to require sellers to become more sophisticated. And so we've seen a lot of Amazon sellers uh, start selling their businesses and other Amazon buyers come in and start grouping businesses together, grouping resources together, 
or if they're not going to sell, they have to hire an expert like my Amazon guy to come in and figure stuff out. So advertising management, cataloging, and then the next one, which is not really much of a troubleshoot, but more of a conversion play, which is design. And that's where you build out the nice uh, things that can help your listings convert to more people. So you mentioned one thing that I've been forecasting slash predicting for a while, um, which is you will start to have small private equity, you know, quote unquote, boutique funds that just small funds that will start to come into the area. We, we started to see it on the private label side. Certainly, um, I think you'll see it across the board to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, so, so what you're talking about is, is you're seeing people come in doing roll ups. So like a roll up is just. I'm going to buy five brands in the home and kitchen category, own them under one umbrella. And now that one umbrella company is valued much higher because of the aggregate revenue and all that good stuff. You're right. Higher multiples, all that fun stuff. Um, so you guys actually have been seeing that happen, which we is have. really cool. Yeah. I went okay. on the quiet light brokerage podcast two weeks ago and my phone has been ringing off the hook ever since. Like I, I, I gained like eight clients off of that single podcast, like no, no joke. Um, and so, so you, you guys don't have, uh, uh, so what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, low expectations. I don't expect you to get me a clients off this podcast. That's not why I'm joining. Uh, I'm joining just to talk and have fun and, 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 and do that. But the reason why it's topical to your question is because man alive, the amount of people trying to buy a business right now seems to me to be at an all time high and, the sellers, same thing, all time high and trying to sell. So like there's plenty of businesses to go buy right now. And and so my phone's been ringing off the hook because I'm being brought in to say, hey, is this a good buy or is this a bad buy? And and then recently acquired businesses are like, uh, I just acquired this, but holy crap, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be passive Amazon income and I'm going to drive my Mercedes Benz around and whatever else because I saw some YouTube video that showed me that was possible. In reality, selling on Amazon is ridiculously difficult and the navigation that's required to do this successfully is very, very difficult. Um, and, and, and if you are told otherwise by anybody, they're flat out lying. Like like their their business model is apparently selling lies because... If if you don't realize that Amazon is not passive income and you are in that game, you will quickly learn within 30 days. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I'm curious. Okay, so you're getting brought in to kind of help do due diligence, validation. Are you seeing, and, and this is not really where I thought the conversation would go, but but it's a fun one to have. Are you seeing at least multiples and seeing what the average kind of multiples is being applied to some of these brands? I... I haven't been in the details on that specific question. Usually I'm looking at like, hey, do I find this attractive? Is this account managed well? Uh, where are the opportunities? Do, does this business have good SEO, good PPC, good design? Um, the the guy I would ask the multiples question to is Joe and Mark at Quiet Light Brokerage. Okay, they perfect. know their stuff on that question and they probably awesome. would be open on it. All right, we're, we're totally going to have to have them on at some point because I, I want to geek out because... So my background is like finance major um, in in SaaS now, but again, I just I see so much value, and and you're you're correct to say that there's so many businesses for sale, right? You have boomers that are wanting to retire, like a crazy amount of businesses are going live right now. They're great companies, they're great businesses to purchase. They're not like failed companies; it's just people want to retire. Um, so you have that. You also have interest rates still being super low. So in terms of you know raising capital, it's relatively really easy, easy so, right now. 
It's incredible. I mean, even SBA is getting very lenient in the sense of raising money for a online quote unquote business where previously you you would have trouble validating that they wanted actual brick and mortar kind of stuff. Um, but you're seeing that go go away and you're seeing them become more flexible on that. And you're seeing a lot of private money come into um, into some quote unquote alternative investments. I, right. I, and it's getting pretty interesting. I've been approached by three companies to buy my Amazon guy in the last 110 days. Interesting. I, I am now like publicly on record saying I'm never selling my agency and I'm <laughs> building to hold so that they stop contacting me because it was getting to that stage. Um, and the, but, but here's, what's interesting. The, all three of them had the same game plan, go raise 50 to a hundred million dollars, go buy 20 plus businesses, build, build an agency internally to run them all. And then don't, you don't need a team for each business. You've got one team for 20 plus businesses. So, so I know for a fact that there is massive amount of private equity venture capitalists doing this exact game plan because I've been approached. So yeah. it's happening. Very good. Um, I'm, I've been waiting for that to really kind of kick off um, in a big way, and it, it will ramp up more quickly throughout the next couple of years because it's something I've been wanting to do. I, I've, I've always said, you know, there's way too much opportunity to go buy six-figure brands that are only on Amazon, have an internal team for, for marketing. You know, you have the SOP, the SOP playbooks for how you do different things, you roll that out to each brand and you scale those brands independent of each other. I mean, the valuation goes up in aggregate. I mean, the, the, the average age of the company, you have portfolio built out now. So it's diversified. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful model. And it's one of those things where if you can do it correctly and raise the right kind of money, um, you have a very successful, profitable exit in three to five years. It's very, very fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was interesting earlier today, I was on a call and this is a very unique situation. Uh, so I, I'm working for a client that's in the pet industry. This client, I have been on the account for four years. That's a very long time for an agency relationship, I might add, right? Like an average agency relationship is probably 18 months as like an agency standard. So this is a very lengthy relationship. So here's why it's interesting. Uh, I have transitioned from two business owners on this account already. And on this particular call, it was the transition call to business owner number three. And guess what? It's going to happen. And so what's really interesting is I will have gone through three business owners, but I have helped this account triple in size over the years and going through that and, and seeing how that business was run differently from business owner one to two and how I know it will be different between business owner two and three. So, so businesses are absolutely being passed baton style from one person to the next. And I'm seeing an increase on that. Okay. That, that's, that's very good to know. I'm curious because you mentioned seeing the difference between how each one, how each owner manages that business. What, what are some of the things you've seen work really well and really bad during that transition with that company? Yeah. Um, so each, each business owner has their own objectives, right? So I've already kind of made fun of the passive income aspect, but let's be honest, that's about 80% of us right now want that. Uh, and, uh, so, the more passive income you want, the more systems, SOPs, and and uh, standardization of your business you desire. Uh, those that want growth, 
we'll need those things, but we'll also need to do a few additional things. You're going to need to expand your product offering as the core number one most important thing you do. The fastest way to grow sales on Amazon is to increase your SKU portfolio. And I'm not talking about color variations of your same portfolio. Quite frankly, people that go go too deep on color variations, they actually don't grow, in my opinion. So I'm talking like, hey, if I'm selling uh, toenail clippers today, I'm adding tweezers. If I sell uh, plates, I'm adding bowls and spoons. Like, Different products, same sort of categorization. Uh, The second thing they need to do to grow sales is diversify um, where they're selling. So that means don't just sell on Amazon. Amazon's great. It's going to be the bread and butter of your business, no doubt about it if you're in e-com today. But you need to have that Shopify website up. You need to be launching on Walmart and eBay. And if you've got a product that fits, go on Etsy. Etsy is the number one 2020 unexpected hit for my clientele. And nobody was talking about Etsy six months ago. Nobody. Uh, After that, the third thing is show up in uh, different countries. Um, I'm getting a little softer on this one. I think I'm going to punt it to number four um, because the complexity of countries is getting a little too much for my liking. Um, And then number four, which I'll be bumping to number three, is to advertise and spend more money. Uh, Here's a quick recommendation. If you want to grow your brand, spend 10% of your gross spend in advertising. Anything less than seven, you're going to see shrinkage. 10% is the right amount to grow your brand in ad spend in Amazon PPC, in my opinion. Okay, so you're going 10% specific on Amazon PPC. Correct. Okay, that's good to know. So I'm curious, because me and Jonathan, you know, we're talking offline last night about the coffee brand he's starting. And it seems to me a strategy, and please, please correct me, because I've I could be completely wrong here. And, and are, we selling, me, are we selling coffee beans or like pots? So, so actual like beans, like okay. it's like a full on coffee brand. Um, so we, uh, Jonathan, jump in. I'm, I'm over talking, bro. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can say, you can, I'm excited. it makes it easier am, to edit. <laughs> I was waiting for the banter between you two to start. Here we go. This is where it starts. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost by accident. A lot of, a lot of the recent episodes we've had, have ended up being hyper relevant regarding to my experiences in launching a brand from from nothing, right? Like as far as Amazon goes, you know, I cut my teeth on retail arbitrage, right? Who didn't, right? Who didn't see that one YouTube video and went out to Walmart one day, right? Like that's I basically described just about every Amazon seller at some point in their life. Dopamine hit if there ever was one. Yeah. Buy low, sell high. It is absolutely I mean one thing I will never I will never deny is that the thrill of the hunt was always like, I, I always loved it. Frick, right? even was, Gary V still talks about retail arbitrage. I know. <laughs> yeah. And he, he has like literally no reason to do any of it. Right. He, it's like, that's, that's like the, the prime example of doing it because it's like a fun thing to do. Right. So I will never deny better than that drugs. It, it can be exciting. <laughs> At least retail arbitrage is somewhat legal. Right. But Retail arbitrage was not a scalable thing for me, right? I see people oh, you, who try to do you'll it. You'll top out at like thirty-five grand annual, in my opinion, and that's yeah, if you're no, good it was, at it. I, I I hit a ceiling real quick, and I'm like, I just I can't spend any more time on this. Like what, this is. What do you mean you don't want to go th- flip through all those books in the thrift store? You know, make make fifty cents a book. <laughs> I did that a few times, and it's like <laughs> I've been I've been in this Goodwill for three hours now. Like <laughs> I was I the kind of people I like hanging out with. You yeah. know, it's like I could have. I'm sitting there like. 
I should have just taken a nap. I don't know. Like, <laughs> at, at least it would have felt better. I don't know. But, um, you know, I quickly realized that, you know, the, I, I had to have something a little bit more sustainable. So I moved into to wholesale, as I, I think a lot of folks do. And, you know, I really enjoyed buying things from people and selling them for more money, right? Like, who, who doesn't, right? Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't satisfying, right? Like, it was, it was just a bunch of button clicking because I never saw any of the inventory, right? Like, there was no way for me to, to, like, realize it in my mind as something, like, I was actually building because I never saw any of it. So, so that's why you wanted to build a brand, huh? Yeah, I wanted to build something that like I created from scratch myself instead of selling other people's wares, which there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like that's how entire retail corporations operate, right? They sell a lot of other people's stuff, but there's also a lot of success in selling your own stuff too, right? Like you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, right? Coffee is not necessarily a new thing, right? It's, there's no shortage of coffee out there, but... Are, are there any new flavors these days? Or is this still kind of classic? There, there, there appear to be, at least from what I've seen, there, there are two major camps, right? There's the, the average coffee drinker that I'll, I'll, I'll admit probably shouldn't be allowed to spend money on coffee because they buy the, uh, the flavored stuff where they add the, the flavored this and that and the other thing during roasting and, and stuff like that. And so you get like this weird like mint chocolate chip and other like just off the wall like flavors that just just buy some creamer. Like what are you even <laughs> doing? You know, like I, I can't I can't figure out how that would actually taste good. Um, and then there's the camp that, that likes to, you know, roast it or not roast it. Well, some of them do roast it, but, uh, you know, grind it by hand in specific quantities, spec- you know, do all the it's measurements. Be, it's be like exactly. a ritual. Right. It's a, it's a ritual science experiment type of thing. Um, and I found, I, I want nothing to do with the flavored people like that. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't want to get all that. So, so you're saying you don't want the, the mocha extra double shot of bullshit kind of people. No, they can just buy creamer. I don't <laughs> just buy creamer. That's beautiful. If, if you want to take the, the podcast, coffee, just buy creamer. <laughs> I will write that one down. Yeah, actually, uh, that, that might actually become the title of this episode. <laughs> just buy creamer with my Amazon guy. I have no idea what this is going to be about, but man, it's going to be a fun one. <laughs> hey, we keep it abstract. You know, that's what that's what matters. I, I I chose to stay on the side of this coffee is actually decent to really good on purpose right because it's so, it's staying truer to like what coffee is supposed to be rather than weird things my 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 grandpa cut hair for 50 years and that dude only did certain type of haircuts you're making me think about this because you're like i'm only selling one type of product to one type of customer and forget everybody else that's going to be a, a huge niche advantage for you though because you're going to know what you're talking about well, and that's and that's the idea. Like, I, I I look at it as if I try to be everything to everybody, I'm gonna suck at all of it. You be micro famous is the way to go. That's a good book, by the way. And I I would rather find one thing, find my spot in this massive market, which there's definitely room for. Just be good at that, and then just kind of ride it wherever it takes me. You know, I'm not looking for world domination here. So I have helped coffee sellers before. This is the one area that most coffee bean sellers struggle with you got a bulky item it's super heavy your logistics costs have to be a high proportion of your low margin business i'm curious how are you handling that complication in in this particular scenario i am i'm contracting with a local roaster here in the uh in the seattle area 
they they will do all of the packaging and shipping on my behalf. I just pay for whatever the the postage is, right? So for coffee, for example, there are a few specific uh, shipping container sizes, you know, boxes, envelopes, etc., that can hold several bags and be cost effective. Like there's, I spent way too much time with spreadsheets trying to find the ideal box to unit scenario and you know where to draw the line at free shipping things like that how you know if i'm charging for shipping do i do metered versus just like a partially subsidized something so there is definitely a sweet spot in there but i will also say that a lot of my ability to get away with it is just the fact that the roasters prices are very competitive like extremely competitive like the the next the next least expensive option I found was like 30% more expensive. That's incredible. That's a huge market advantage. Yeah. If nothing else, like the shipping would have been the same regardless of which roasters I went with. It's just that that 30% savings, like how do you not just pick that by default, right? Like I've I've tasted all of their beans already. I, I have so much coffee. Um, <laughs> by the way, I don't even drink coffee. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm just like making fun of your, uh, your creamery jokes and all that good no, stuff. No, no, that's fine. I, <laughs> I, I had, I had my wife try a lot of them and she doesn't drink coffee either. So her metric was how, how bad is this not? <laughs> how bad is this one <laughs> on a scale of zero to bad? This one yeah. is 0.5 bad. <laughs> so like she drank one she's like, mm, this is the least worst one I've ever tasted. And I'm like, that's <laughs> that a great. freaking yeah, success winner. right there. <laughs> but, I don't, but I don't the, know if that's a good idea, methodology. <laughs> the, so, so the idea here is like, could, could Jonathan use Amazon to gain traction initially? But use it mainly – so, yeah, it's a sales distribution channel, but mainly use it for marketing to get new people into his brand and then divert those sales to Shopify and Shopify be, like, the the focus, so to speak, of, of your sales. Does that even, like, make sense? Like, this that, is an idea we were talking about. This is the million-dollar question on the podcast today. The answer is yes, there's a halo effect. The question is how much? I believe okay. that the halo effect used to be much higher. It's shrunk a little bit. Um, probably 10% is the halo effect you're going to experience. The challenge you're going to have is why should they buy from you directly? Wh- what kind of benefit are you going to offer them? Is sure. it price? Well, if you do price, Amazon's not going to like that. And they may take away your buy box and be like, yeah. you got a lower price somewhere else. Screw you. I don't care. You can't sell on Amazon. They're at that stage in their maturity cycle where they can just play hardball now. Uh, so that's your biggest challenge. You, you know, some sellers will like throw something into their their package to make an extra benefit. So like I had a client that sold $200 uh, barber shears. And so what they would do is they would throw in some cleaning supplies anytime you order from their website. But it was the same price of their Amazon business. So, so I think that's what you're going to have to do. But Amazon is a great sales channel. There's never been a better time to be on Amazon. It's just harder than ever to sell on Amazon. So it's kind of balanced in that perspective. Um, Amazon saw sales go up 50% during May, or what I like to call COVID 1.0. During Q4, and starting rather soon, perhaps before Q4, we're going to see round two, COVID 2.0, shut down the country again, and sales are going to go through the freaking roof on Amazon, probably 100% up this time versus 50% in May. Whole supply chain is going to crash again. And selling coffee beans on Amazon during Q4, 
your competition is going to stock out. That's how insane it's going to be. So you're going to probably see an amazing Q4, in my opinion. That's good. Yeah, to know. and this and this was something I spent some time thinking about last night. I have some conflict because part of part of the entire the entire like branding exercise is that this this stuff was roasted yesterday or like last week by the time it gets through the system, right? Like which, it's not which means FBA is not going to work for you. Exactly right. Like if I like I have to abandon like that entire like push if I want to do FBA, and then also I'm forking over a large percentage of my revenue for the privilege for, you know, to, 15% to be at, at Bezos pleasure. referral fee, Bezos 15% pleasure fee. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and, and then after that, your logistics costs and advertising. So what I generally tell people is that Amazon will be a 33% partner for you. Now that includes the logistics cost. So what you're you're paying and shipping and all that direct to consumer would be inclusive in that 33% partnership. Um, so 15% referral fee, 10% in ads and the rest in logistics. So you're personally not going to have storage fees, um, or shipping costs into Amazon, but generally speaking, their shipping costs out of Amazon are quite competitive. And so it's probably sixes to what you're doing anyway. Um, so once all is said and done, but 33% partner, um, versus your website, which will probably be more like, uh, I don't know, 15%, um, with advertising and logistics. So there's a big difference. So then the, the alternative to, to FBA, which admittedly there isn't going to be a whole lot of profit margin left once you jump through all of, all of Bezos's hoops, right? Um, the alternative there is, you know, self-fulfillment and because the roaster is, doing the the fulfillment for me and by fulfillment i mean printing out the shipping label under my own account and waiting for the mail truck to show up and pick up the box um there's there's nothing that says i can't have those that sounded orders. like passive income to me <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist remember that's yeah. not mailbox uh, money <laughs> i'm just gonna, just gonna go get my check from the mailbox yeah there you go um the alternative being the the order's you know, I do, I do my own, you know, merchant fulfillment through Amazon and the orders go straight to the roaster, you know, through Shopify or some other means. Right. But then I don't know. I don't know about you two gentlemen, but when I'm generally shopping for something on Amazon, I tend to ignore anything merchant fulfilled just on principle. Sure. Not so because I. like I really need it that fast, but because I don't, I don't know who I'm buying the thing from. But couldn't you repurpose the the listing itself to basically call that out, bring that to light and say, hey, we're not prime because it's going to be like roasted like a few days before we ship it. Like that could become a a strategy that you build into the marketing for Amazon's channel specifically. So so I think that'll work to some degree. The The first challenge is getting them to your listing to begin with before you even tell that story. So. You just mentioned you avoid non-prime buying. Well, you can. There's this nice filter on the left-hand side called Prime. Check. Okay, I'm only looking at Prime items now. So you just lost half the country right there. So that's that's problem number one. Problem number two is when was the last time you spent two minutes reading copy on Amazon? Very great question. <laughs> and, and that's about how long it's going to take you to tell the story that you just yeah, told me. True. And okay. good and and cool. Maybe you got a video that you explain it, but uh, video, watching it. nobody watches videos. 
on Amazon, although that's a little bit changing. It's becoming more important. Uh, there's video ads on Amazon. That, By the way, that's one of those 10 new ad segments we talked about in the intro. Uh, so you should get videos made for sure that express this in under 30 seconds. And I, I want to see those Folger Cup, you know, whatever, the, in the air. <laughs> that slow-mo pour. Yeah, and that, yeah, that and the big, oh, <laughs> yeah, I got my coffee. Okay, fine, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not grumpy anymore. I can go about my day. Try, try water, guys. Water's better. <laughs> <laughs> um, water homies reference Reddit. There you go. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I think this model will work for you. It's just going to take a while to scale. Uh, the other thing, too, is that I would look at Amazon as the fastest way to acquire customers. Now, most people, when they sell on Amazon, they're like, I want to be profitable in two weeks. It's not possible. This, this again, criticism number fifty-three on passive income. It takes six to twelve months to make a profit on Amazon. I don't care how sophisticated you are or what your margins are. You have in, in inventory investment, advertising investment. Your account takes forever to get up and running. It takes six to twelve months to generate a profit where you can take money out of the business instead of double and roll it in. So, so because of that. Uh, I try and help people realize that break-even advertising in the first 90 days is, is a legitimate strategy, and everybody else is doing it. So if you don't, you're going to grow at a snail pace. Uh, so lifetime value. If you advertise on the concept of lifetime value, you're going to advertise at a loss to acquire customers. Most people don't think about it that way. And, and so if you said, hey, the average coffee drinker stays loyal to a brand for 17 years— I'm making that up. You tell me. Then, that would be great if it was 17. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, dude. <laughs> so, so the question is, and you know, that's an interesting concept too, because I'm I'm building my agency to hold, and, and for the first time ever, I'm I'm thinking to myself, what would it take to get an employee to stay five, ten, or fifteen years? I've never asked myself that question, and and I started asking my employees that question. And they look at me strange, and they're like, why would I want to work for you for five or ten, fifteen years? <laughs> uh, so let alone drink your coffee for seventeen. But um, so so the, I mean, that's a legitimate question you've got to ask, right? So what would it take to get a coffee drinker to switch from their current drink? And and I think uh, you've got quality as a play, convenience and price, right? So which of those three are you going to double down on? Probably quality. So, so with that in mind, you're going to charge a premium and you're looking for the coffee snubs that don't want to use creamers and <laughs> or maybe they do uh because they're coffee snobs i don't know and, and <laughs> the coffee snobs if we have any yeah. are like screaming at you yeah right probably because <laughs> <laughs> i don't know sides, what i'm talking yeah. about at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh with that in mind though just to kind of finish that lifetime value mantra you're going to have to look at Amazon as an acquisition channel, not a retention channel. If you then went out and quizzed a thousand people, what was the last item you bought on Amazon? And let's do this in real time. So Dilly Bear, or I don't know if that's what you want to go by since that's your nickname <laughs> on the podcast. podcast. <laughs> that's, great. that's great. What was the last item you bought on Amazon? A book. That's probably not this a great example. This will be a bad example. example. I'm so okay, fucking I got, surprised. I, yeah, yeah. So, so right. let's go. Let's okay. go non-media. Non-media. Okay. Okay. So uh, last one was actually a coat hanger for my new apartment. What was the name of the brand of that coat hanger? No clue. Thank straight you. up private. Straight up private label. So so that's 80, 90 percent of all Amazon goods today. Amazon has killed brands. It's the it's the brand killer. It's just so, commodity, right? Correct. So with that in mind, you have to acquire customers without branding 
unless you're a luxury good like Apple Watches. So you're going to have to walk this fine line of telling your story. Now, coffee drinkers are likely to be repeat buyers, 100% likely. So I think that your, your retention model will be much stronger on Amazon than a widget or a tweezer or whatever, an apple slicer on Amazon. But you'll have to think through it. You know, in my, in my thought exercise, as they call them in the thought leader space, I, I came to realize that I really wanted to make a joke there, but I just I, I couldn't find one. I, I hold you hold back. I'm gonna move Press on. I hold you hold back. <laughs> <laughs> was it that obvious? Really? It was. It really was. You're like, eh, no. <sighs> you, okay, you could tell. On. Yeah. Um, I, I came to realize that you know if I if I do sell on Amazon at all with this with this brand, it's it's really just an exercise in customer acquisition. Like I I have no I. If if I if I do it, I need to come to terms with the fact that it's it's not it's not the money generation thing that I'm looking for, right? If anything, it's it's so more more humans are aware of my thing that I have, right? And ideally, they come by for me directly in the future, which is, of course, a, a fine line to walk given all of the oddly specific yet incredibly vague rules about what you can put in your packaging and things like that. What are, what are you putting in your coffee packages exactly? Is it creamer? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I couldn't help it. And he's triggered. Uh, all right, I, that's that's. I'll I'll accept that one. That'll stay in the show. Um, so let's start the show, guys. Hey, Stephen, how are you? <laughs> this was the creamer podcast. I thought. Sorry. Welcome to Creamer's podcast. Ah, uh, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Creamer with half and half. Um, <laughs> that's so perfect. Oh my god! That, that's Thank you really we should just joy. end it there. You know what? Let's just stop talking. I don't think. I think we've we've just gone so far down this hole. Like we're just <laughs> let's just get buried alive and get it over with, right? It's perfect. So, so you know what I what I came to realize pretty quickly on uh, was that you know my ideal customer is going to be that one that I can keep for an extended period of time, like. Everything, everything I do should largely be centered around funneling that customer into a subscription model, right? Like, yeah, you could buy one bag at a time every week, or you could buy four bags a month and, you know, save like 40%, right? Because you're not paying for shipping, you're paying a discounted rate. Like there's all of those, all of those funnels to, to get them in and, and stay in because the alternative is now less attractive. Right. Well, like can you do like a subscribe and save just not on Amazon, just on your Shopify site? That way that's oh, yeah, somewhat totally. of an incentive. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I like this. I want to stick with this brand. I just don't want to have to like reorder. Oh, well, if you don't want to reorder, come to our actual site and like we'll take care of you and just put it on you know a consistent schedule when you're done. Oh, yeah, totally. When you, you go, you find the item, you find the, the flavor you want, you, you pick the quantity, you pick the interval. Yeah. And then the rest just kind of happens, right? Like the, exactly. uh, the tool is called uh, Recharge. And, you know, they, they hold the, the scheduling and they integrate with Stripe and all that stuff. And oh, beautiful. So when the, when the interval's up, it just generates another order within Shopify. And then fulfillment is done all the same as if it was just a regular order. Someone clicked the buy button, right? So it's, it's entirely seamless. They get, they get charged automatically. They can control it. You know, like it's, 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 once you're in, it's super frictionless. And that's, that's the idea. Like I, in my ideal world... I have very few one-time customers. Like they're all they're all repeats. Like that's that's the the end goal there. Sub- subscription model uh, e-commerce is is way better of a model because of the lifetime value pr- 
participation. So I, th- I think that's an incredibly bright way to do it. Thank you. You so hear that, that, Dylan? <laughs> I am bright. <laughs> I am bright. Um, so, so, I mean, it's beautiful, right? Because it, it does make sense to me where you use. And so the whole idea is like, okay, you're not going to make as much money per unit on Amazon, but that's not the point. The point is audience, is traffic, is is distribution. It is getting traction for the brand and the product itself to then funnel those people who are a great fit to a, a subscription-based model on your Shopify site, right? So it, it's, I mean, that becomes your funnel, which is great because it, it's still profitable, right? I mean, it's, it's not going to not be profitable, but, but to Seaman's point, it does make sense to be operating at break even for a large portion of time early on because you're one, you're trying to figure things out. You're still trying to figure out pricing. That's going to take some time. Like you're not just going to be like my price is X and like never change it. That's going to obviously fluctuate um, with feedback loops. But then the fact that, you know, if you're going on the quality side and you're going to be that premium brand, well, congrats. Now your LTV is going to be higher <laughs> than if it was lower, which means you also get to spend more to acquire a customer profitably, which is beautiful. And so going that premium route, that high quality route, it, I don't know, man, it just seems to make sense. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it seems like to make I look sense. at, I look at the, the potential Amazon presence is just essentially an extension of advertising. Like that's it, it very really much is answering. because it's, it's half the economy. And all product search starts on Amazon. It's no longer Google. So it is, it is, it is in essence, advertising just by showing up there. Yeah, and, and we, we talked about a while ago um, a, a article that talked about the fact that Amazon is not a retailer. They are a search software. And when you think through it that way, it makes a lot of they sense really because are. when you go to Amazon, what do you do? You, you're searching for a product to buy. Like, yeah, obviously retailing, like you're, 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 they are facilitating a transaction. But if you look at what they optimize and what they focus on, it's search. And it makes a ton, a ton, a ton of sense. And so if you can view it that way, it kind of changes how you factor in Amazon into your operations. Yeah, that was the, the what, I think it was the anti-Amazon league article from Stratechery, I think it was. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, it was from Stratechery, yeah. Yeah, I'll find that and put it in the show notes. Yeah, great, great article. So I'm curious, you've got this coffee brand that you're working on, you've identified you want to be luxury. So have you started building assets? Like, do you have, are, are you going to have like uh, guys in tattoos drinking coffee on, on camera? What are you, what are you doing? Oof. I, I don't know about you, the tattoos. But. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah. I, hey, Dylan, I, fine, I, you're hired. I figured, Jonathan, you know, you look like you're 12, so I don't think you're going to be oh, the face thanks. of the brand. So, Yeah, no. He's I'm actually like Yakuza tattooed up. No, Jeez. <laughs> this dude's going to shiv me. I better take that one back. <laughs> yeah, everything under here, man, is just just, just totally hard. Koi fishes and hearts everywhere, man. When I was a television reporter, I, I, I literally did look like I was 15. And and so uh, I looked like I just graduated high school. It was terrible. Um, now the, <laughs> on the plus side, when if I stayed in television... Um, I would have kept my youth and looked younger as I got older, but man alive, that was the hardest thing being in television when you're like, why should I listen to this 15 year old kid talking to the mayor? <laughs> like, what the heck? Anyway, were you, were you in television with the, with the changeover to HD with your network? Yeah. Or? Right when it happened, right yeah, when it happened, that was a, that was a shocker. I think for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, I just went through and recollected all my d- mini DV tapes and like 90% of people listening were like, what the heck's a mini DV tape? It's like this little small tape about this size. 
Yeah. Kind of looks like this. I was about to say half size of a cassette, but no yeah. one knows what a cassette yeah, is, right? Yeah, no one knows what a cassette. Yeah, it's like, it's like an iPod, guys. It's an iPod. Um, what's, so, what's an iPod? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a credit card, it's like a half a credit card. I don't know. Yeah. There's something small-ish like that. Yeah, so I, I just reconverted it. Uh, in fact, I have the camera on my desk. I went on. Do you know how hard it is to convert mini DV tapes today? It is ridiculously <laughs> difficult. So I actually had to buy this old camera off eBay and then figure out a software to connect it into my computer, realize that the cord plugged into this very specifically hidden port on the camera, and I had to look through the entire 80-page manual to figure this crap out. <laughs> and so so I just just the other day re, uh, recut my stunt airplane video and, and got to see the raw footage. And I had four camera angles in the camera uh, inside of the airplane, plus like a second airplane shooting it. I watched all two hours of raw video. It was like living my heyday. It was awesome. Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> that is that so cool. Great. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Cool. So, so we'll, we'll kind of start wrapping up here. We, I mean, Stephen, we got to have you back already. Um, cause we did not talk about anything that was on anything our list to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. In, in the best of ways, you know, I, I like, I like having these casual conversations where we can make them applicable, right? Coffee we talk, get to take- or is this creamer talk? Sorry. Hey. Okay, I've, I've beat that horse to death. The after I'm sorry. show. It's but, a very, it's a very liquid conversation. Hey, now we're talking <laughs> steamy. But, but I like the fact that we can take your knowledge and actually apply it. Right? It's, it's, it's great to talk concepts and and systems and stuff like that. But it's, it's also, in my opinion, more valuable to say, okay, cool. Like, here's an actual situation. Like, Jonathan's actually building this brand right now. You know, hearing it from your perspective helps put things. One, it helps validate ideas. It, it helps, you know, just generate new learning. ideas. Yeah, right. Just in time learning is perfect. And so super cool. I definitely still want to have you back on because there's still a lot we haven't talked about, like, you know, some of the common pitfalls and, you know, how, how would you look at approaching launching a, a, a brand brand new on Amazon? Like, what would that process look like? So we'll have to have you back on. Um, I know we're kind of wrapping up on time here, but Stephen, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was really fun. Like I, I knew this was going to be awesome. Once we talked beforehand, I was like, yeah, we're the same human being. So this is perfect. <laughs> and Jonathan fit that too. So I'm like, all right, we're just going to have some witty banter. It's going to be fun. Um, but where can people find out more about you, your services, um, and, and get in touch? You bet. So if you do nothing else, go to, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. I've got 350 videos where we tackle any Amazon question. You have any Amazon problem, chances are you'll you'll be uh, finding a video from me on it. So youtube.com slash my Amazon guy. Um, of course, if you need any services, consulting, you need some A-plus content, we have a la carte services available. Um, go over to myamazonguy.com. We also have a podcast. We're going to have you guys on our podcast coming yeah, up here. Geez. I'm, no pressure. Yeah. So I, I realized halfway through this, I was like, frick, I keep asking them too many questions. It's their podcast. That's my job tomorrow. <laughs> um, so mistakes were made. Hashtag. But um, but uh, it's going to be fun nonetheless. So so yeah, we, we, we would love uh, anybody to subscribe to us just to kind of check us out and, and, and uh, um, learn more about selling on Amazon. But uh, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys today and uh, very much enjoyed it and look forward to having you guys on the my amazon guy podcast next awesome man thank you thank you steven thank you and there's the recording <laughs>